Welcome to the Wealth Setting Podcast. This is episode 375. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In today's episode, I want to touch on the particular attitudes that investors have and what separates the winners from the losers. Now, this isn't going to be some platitude, affirmations, you know, thinking in a certain way is going to make you rich type stuff, but it's more about just looking at the basics of the three types of general attitudes that separate winners from losers. Before we get into that, I want to point out a couple things that are in the headlines. Have you noticed that lately, even though the date is changing, the narrative is remaining the same? And here's a couple examples. Exactly six days ago, the headline came out that the job numbers for the week showed a decrease in unemployment. The market went down because the job market's too hot. Today, weekly number came out. It said that jobs were actually not as good as anticipated and that that's why the market was down today. And that's the narrative, right? Whether jobs are too good or too bad, either way, the narrative is, is that we're headed to a recession and the market's going lower. And isn't it interesting, just in the last probably less than two weeks, you're seeing a lot of companies, a lot of CEOs coming out and announcing either hiring freezes or announced or potential layoffs. A lot of this is in the high-tech sector, but you are seeing it overall. And again, I find this very interesting that, you know, prior to two weeks ago, the jobs market was so hot that everybody's got to raise prices because of all the wage inflation and all the wage inflation is going to create this upward anticipation of inflationary spiral where prices keep going up to keep up with wages and then people have to get higher wages to keep up with the higher prices. And of course, all that's bad for the stock market and we're obviously headed to a recession. And then what happens? A couple days later, layoffs, hiring freezes, but the narrative doesn't change. The market's going lower because we're obviously headed to a recession. And you're seeing the same thing with general retail sales. As I mentioned in a previous episode, Target and Walmart way overordered, and now they're stuck with huge amounts of inventory. And remember, ahead of that, you know, we weren't going to have a Christmas and the market was going to go into a recession and we had all this inflation because there weren't enough products on the shelf because Supply chains, the retailers couldn't get products, so that was going to be bad for the market, bad for the economy. Well, now, again, the narrative is the same, but instead of the market going down and the economy being threatened by not enough inventory, it's threatened because there's too much inventory. And think about this in terms of this nonstop inflation narrative. If Walmart and Target did overorder, and they're talking about having to spend the next few months, if not quarters, working through the inventory. What does working through the inventory mean? It means that they're going to be selling that product at a discount. Selling product at a discount means you put it on sale. That means the product sold at a lower price. And so think through this. Selling things at a lower price is not inflationary, it's deflationary. But again, the narrative is still pushing everything about inflation, inflation, inflation. Well, if we're laying people off, if we have hiring freezes, if major retailers are planning on spending the next few months, if not longer, discounting products to get them to move through inventory, then none of those things are inflationary. They're all deflationary. 
haha, and you get it, right? We're headed to a deflationary, slowing down economy. That means things are going to fall apart. The market's going to drop. See, this is why I think the news is all nonsense. They fabricate whatever their desired narrative is, and then regardless of what the data says, they manipulate it to justify their storyline. That's why I don't follow the news. I follow the data, and I come to my own conclusions. I'd advise you to do the same. Oh, one other thing is it relates to retail sales and deflationary pressures. Here's a report that came out for May sales. This is May online sales, so not specifically Target or Walmart or the excess inventory they have, but just in general, all U.S. online retail sales. For the month of May, in 10 of the 18 categories that are tracked, prices came down on a month-over-month basis. But what really caught my eye was that they're estimating that based on this May number of online sales, it's coming in at an annualized growth rate where inflation would be, are you ready for this? 2%. I just find that number humorous because that's exactly the number that the Federal Reserve wants to see. Hey, but enough of that. Today's topic, investor attitudes. And I want to preface this by pointing out here that I'm talking about investors. Now remember the concepts of wealth steading is that you have to learn to earn, save, and then invest. It's done in that order. The entire financial industry, they want to focus on the investing side. They want everybody to believe they're an investor. You know, invest $5 a week, uh, yada, yada, yada. Listen, that's not what I believe. I believe that before you can ever be an investor, you have to be a saver. Wall Street and the financial industry doesn't want you to believe that because it's much easier to charge you fees for investing than it is for saving. So don't get fooled by that. If you're in the process of building your wealth, first start by learning how to earn more money, that's investing in yourself, and then in parallel with that, always pay yourself first. That means saving a percentage, and I would encourage a large percentage of what you earn. Put that aside in savings. Once you have a substantial amount of money saved up where you don't have to worry about emergency funds and taking care of your day-to-day needs as well as, you know, emergencies that are going to come up over the next 3 to 12 months, then you have long-term savings and you can put that to work by investing it. So when I talk about attitudes today, I'm talking about specifically attitudes for people that have enough money to make it worthwhile that they're investors. There's different attitudes for learning how to earn money and save it, right? That's a different episode. But today, let's focus on those investing attitudes. And I think there's really three of them. It all boils down to three. And two of these attitudes might earn you money, where the third attitude, the one I'm going to talk about first, that's almost always guaranteed to lose you money. That's the losing attitude. And that losing attitude is paranoia or negativity. You see, in order to be a successful investor, you got to play the game, right? You got to be up at bat to hit the ball. And if you're negative, if you're paranoid, if you think the system's rigged against you, if you think the economy is always just one step from going over a cliff, if you see a dark cloud every day hanging over the economy, then you're never going to make the commitment to putting your money at risk. And if you never make that commitment, 
then you're never going to get up to bat. You're never going to hit the ball. You can't ever get to first base. You can't hit a home run. Negativity and paranoia will destroy your opportunity to ever make investment income. There's always a reason to be negative. The news media is primarily based on negative news. It's the common denominator that they can appeal to. And the negativity and the paranoia not only gets you because it keeps you out of the game, but it's even more insidious than that. Because what it ultimately does is, is that you stay out of the game for so long, like all the people that I talk to even like today, I talk to people that tell me that they've been out of the stock market since 2008 when they lost all their money. Well, that was 14 years ago, and there's been huge, I mean, huge money-making opportunities in the last 14 years. But there are plenty of people that got out at the bottom and have never got back in. So that's sad enough. But the other part, and this is the more insidious part about being negative and paranoid, is that eventually you get worn down by seeing that other people are making money. And every day that, you know, you're walking around like Eeyore, feeling all depressed and gloomy, you're looking around and you're getting more depressed because you're seeing all these people around you making money when you're convinced that the system is going to collapse or that the market's rigged and the regular man can't make money or, you know, the man's holding you down, whatever it is. And so you see that long enough and eventually you do succumb. You do jump into the market. But because you're paranoid and because you are just naturally negative, you wait to get into the market until it's so rosy, until the skies are so blue, until the point that there's massive euphoria and everybody around you is making money and the market has been at you know record highs for five or six or seven years. Now you think it's safe to get in the water. And when you make that commitment, more times than not, you're getting in at the top. And so as soon as you get in or, or shortly thereafter, the market starts to go down, or maybe it actually does crash, or the economy goes into a recession, or there's a correction or a pullback. And right away, you got to get out. You don't want to lose all your money like, you know, that happened in 2008, or that happened in the dot-com bubble. I mean, your mind starts automatically saying, oh no, the market's going down. It's going to happen again. I got to get out. And you end up selling. And so you did the exact opposite of what an investor should do. You bought at the top and sold at the bottom. That's what happens to people that have a negative or a pessimistic attitude. And it virtually always happens. And so as a result of that, that's why I say of these three attitudes, that paranoid negative attitude is the one that almost always consistently loses. Now, the other attitude, which I don't think is a good attitude, but it can at least be a winning attitude, and that's the get-rich-quick attitude. Now, you don't hear me promoting that, and in fact, you always hear me making fun of it and mocking it, but that doesn't mean that it never works. I mean, there are plenty of people that have gone out and won the lottery and become millionaires because they had a get-rich-quick attitude that if they just bought that right lottery ticket, they could make millions, and that happens. People do that. And so eventually, people that never do buy the winning lottery ticket, they eventually become jaded and disenchanted the more and more that they lose. And eventually, they find themselves going from the gullible, get-rich-quick crowd when they're young to being old, crusty, negative, perpetual losers that the system's rigged against them and they can't ever make any money. That's why the stock market is dominated by the fear and greed cycle. But the good news is, is you don't have to fall into one of those two types of categories. 
because there is an attitude that's separate from either of those two. And over the long term, it almost always, and I stress long term and almost always, it over the long term almost always results in a winning investment strategy. And simply put, that's an attitude of long-term optimistic growth. You're not negative Nelly, and you're not euphoric get-rich-quick. You're simply optimistic enough to look at the future and see the potential for continual improvement and continual growth. But you're not expecting it all to happen tomorrow or to happen all at once. You know that there's going to be speed bumps along the way, You know that there's going to be ups and downs, but you have what I'm going to call faith. And I don't necessarily mean that in a religious term, but hey, that doesn't hurt. But you have the faith to believe that over time, there's a growing economy that you can invest in and participate in. So a lot of people would refer to that as a moderate optimistic attitude. I personally look at it as my own attitude as being cynically optimistic. And for me, it's that cynically optimistic attitude that separates me from someone that's pessimistically paranoid. I can agree with them that there's all these bad things going on around us, but at the same time, that doesn't hinder me from having the ability to make money. That's a difference with a distinction. I don't participate in the economic system because I think it's all unicorns and rainbows. I participate in the economic system for the same reason that Jesse James robbed the banks, right? That's where the money is. You have to play the game to win. And you may not like the rules. You may not think the rules are fair. You may think the rules are ever-changing. And all that could be true. But you can never win unless you play the game. So you have to learn to deal with all those inconsistencies. The world isn't a perfect place. But if you avoid the pessimism and fear and negativity, and if you avoid the euphoric gullibility, if you can avoid those impulses and simply focus on looking at the economy as a living, dynamic organism that, just like the human race, is continuing to grow and expand over time, and then you patiently and wisely invest in that, then you are almost guaranteed to get positive long-term results. It's literally that simple. And it's no different than a healthy lifestyle of exercise and proper nutrition, which result in a healthy lifestyle. It's all about lifestyle choices, right? Doing this as a holistic approach for years and decades vastly increases your chances of having a healthy net worth. It's not a diet. It's not a fad. It's a holistic lifestyle. And the sad thing is that both in terms of diet and exercise and wealth building, these are all simple concepts. But although it's simple and it's easy and it's not complicated, most people don't ever achieve optimum health or optimum wealth because the difficulty is in doing it consistently for long periods of time. When speaking of time, we're out of it. So ponder those things and come on back for future episodes of the Wellsteading Podcast. Until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.